What's up, everybody? And welcome to another episode of Ladies Who Bronche. I am Julissa. What's up, everybody? This is Skittles. And this week, we have a special guest. Uh, Someone who you actually shared a womb with. I shared a womb with this person. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I've known her my whole life. Um, Venezia, who the fuck are you? Hi, everyone. My name is Venezia. I am a college access expert trying to help these first-gen generation students to get into college and just make it and break these cycles that we see every day in, in our communities. That's you better, dope. You better right? come you through see that? with this you see how college. Yeah, yourself? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. No, I mean, in a good way. I mean, like, in a good yeah. way. You see, like, she... No, you better come through with that title. Right. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So, yeah. So, Venezia is, obviously, for those of you who know me, yes, she is my sister. Um, but, yeah, she is a college access coach. But she actually has a lot more stuff than that like that's sort of her job but like throughout her life she has like mingled and like she was studying like marketing in college I remember and at one point she wanted to be a fashion designer like she's sort of gone through a lot of uh different waves and I think you know she's sort of landed at this point and found her passion sort of helping with college access and education but like you know there were a lot of different things before that um yeah um but actually, just to tell that story, the reason why I got into um, college access was actually because Julissa, as a Flags 98 student, I'm Flag 98 alum. Shout out to Flags. Shout out to Flags. Um, was participating in an after-school program and told the director that I would be a good fit to be the youth developer and I mean before the title of college access came along into the DOE system people were youth developers so it, it was kind of more so like social emotional development as well as you know talking a little bit about college about why education is important so once I was done with my marketing degree I just didn't feel happy in the marketing world it was boring um, I was like the only uh, Latina and uh, working in the company and and it wasn't fulfilling like it really made me depressed and I remember just loving working with like Desiree, Jonelle like I could name them all oh, and some kids. of them have been guests yeah. and um, I've watched them grow and it was just I was happy there and I went back to my happy and I've been there for over 12 years like 10 years now just doing this work so it's more than just a job it is a passion I do like to network and talk a lot <laughs> and um have always used my marketing skills to kind of like do this work so it doesn't really feel like work it feels more like who I am at this point right for sure so Vanessa what is your favorite brunch plate my favorite brunch plate is chicken and waffles. I really enjoy the savory sweetness, the the savoriness of the chicken wing. I put mm. syrup on everything. I'm like the bacon with a side of syrup type of girl. I put mm -hmm. syrup on my eggs. I know <laughs> some people don't like that, but it tastes good. Gross. <laughs> Listen, I love me a good chicken and waffles. So I do I'm too. I love it. a good chicken and waffles. I don't know about syrup everywhere. I actually prefer I honey. So 
over syrup on my waffles. But honey so is just so thicker than a syrup. Yeah, you just yeah, put I a know. little bit of butter I, I, and syrup. Sometimes oh, butter. a great waffle yeah. doesn't need syrup. Yo, I, I fucking love waffles with syrup. Like, yeah. <laughs> like they're in literally every made square. to hold syrup. Like yeah. that's what each a square is for. Girl, though. I'm more of a French toast girl I've developed. Why I thought I was a pancake girl growing up. Just, I'm a French toast girl. Nah, fuck out of here. Waffles all day. French toast is the shit, though. Think about no, it. No, no. I do love a good French toast, French toast too. is the best French one. toast yeah. is like when you run out of... Aunt Jemima mix. I'm sorry. No. Like, you're like, what do we eat? Nah, See, that's nah, because nah, that's no. we grew up on hood you know, fucking French toast. Like uh-huh. it was the well. My mom didn't buy Wonder Bread, but she bought like you know white bread. Yeah, it was French. typical. White I love bread. I love a good <laughs> potato bread French potato, toast. Potato, yeah. yeah. But, well, but that's my point. Is like we didn't it was have, luxury. <laughs> potato <laughs> bread is. But like, we didn't have that come up right uh-huh. right away. So like growing up, like yeah, it was just mixing the egg with cinnamon and this basic ass bread and you do Yeah, with a little bit of vanilla extract. I still do that. No, no, but my point is like when I say I love French toast, what made me like fall into play is when I was having like really decadent French toast. toast. And again, and I'm not even, I don't like toppings and all that extra shit. For me, it's just like a good bread where the outside is just crispy enough but the inside of the bread is still soft. I feel you, yeah. Yeah. That is, to me, the win over pancakes. A place that has a really good French toast is Hotel Chantel. Hmm. I'm always talking about this place. But they have this, um, it's like a custard-filled French toast. Oh, that sounds good. And it's like buttery but also like sweet, like a custard I don't know. It's just delicious. And um, when you do their um, prefix menu, mm-hmm. they, it's just rows of French toast. Just like, wow. It's delicious. Yeah. I love French. So. Uh, so what is your favorite boozy booze to, <laughs> to drink, <laughs> to drink brunch. with brunch? Yeah. Um, <laughs> because of bad past experiences with mimosas, I'm a Bellini person. Wait, what's the bad past experience Can't with really mimosas? T- no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't Just, know. you know, too much of it. And, you the know, I don't know. got you too lit. Yeah. And then, you know, stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I'm more of a Bellini type of person. Oh, yeah. Or just any typical drink, actually. Um but the favorite brunch I've ever been to, I'm sorry to cut into this piece. No, but, no, no, go. Um, I was in DR a couple of years ago, um, and I randomly was like, oh, I want to go to a pool, but I want to have brunch. And I freaking found a place that does a pool party brunch. All you can eat food, all you can drink, and then you have the fucking pool. It was amazing. I got sunburned, mm. but it was great. It was the best brunch I've ever been to because it combined the two things I love. Nice. Yes. So, Venetia, yes. what was it? <laughs> because because I wasn't there, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like uh, going out to eat as a kid growing up? Well, I don't know about for y- about you, but... <laughs> you know, in our family, we have our favorite aunts, uncles, and things like that. So I really grew up in the restaurant. <laughs> I didn't have that once in a while situation. Um, I was lucky enough to be a favorite of one of my aunts who had kids very late, thanks to her. Um, for that, um, I was able to. <laughs> uh, Nesta can believe Vanessa. She's That's coming right. directly. Wow. Shade, shade on the triplet roses. Not BB. BB is cool. BB came late. Yeah. <laughs> but I was I was able to enjoy 
um, or bask in that luxury because they were two single adults, both working, making money. And I was like their pretend child for a very long time. So the Sizzlers right right down the block was the, the spot after church, the Ponte Rosa, right oh, in, Ponte Rosa in, in, Bay in Bay Plaza. So Saturday nights was like restaurant night. Um, but also before, even before all of that, um, my dad and mom, we always went to like Burger Kings on Sunday and, um, would get like the Whopper. It used to be 99 cents. This was before your time. It was actually a big sandwich back then, not like what it is now. <laughs> and we used to like have to have it. Like, so I would have half with mommy cause she always was portion control for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, I would just have that and the, dynasty restaurant right there Next on one <laughs> yeah 109 in amsterdam you went there once and then we moved to the bronx yeah yeah awesome so what is your favorite bochincha topic over a meal um i don't have a specific topic i but what i do enjoy is going to brunch with people who are talking about multiple things like I'm not really into the whole, like, spending the whole brunch kind of dwelling on past and negative things. I'm more so, like, you know, I like bubbly conversation, you know, social media gossip and things like that. But just really light because I feel like once I start drinking, it's like the last, like, internally, my insides are like, just shut up about that relationship or, you know, that guy. And I'm not specifically saying one person. I'm just saying I like to be in the company of people. Oh, you mean like you tell the other people to shut up about that relationship? No, internally. Like in yes. your head. No, but yes. that's what I mean. Yeah. Because when she gave those two examples, I was like, she's married. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, I am married. No, I wasn't talking about me. I'm just saying like in just general. And not that I don't like listening to my girlfriend. So anybody who's my girlfriend is listening. It's not that I don't like hearing about it. I'm just... Like, if I'm drinking, I'm thinking, like, Ain't nobody it's a going good to brunch time. to be dwelling and you crying know? and shit. Like, I yeah. can't do sad and I'm drinking. I'm always happy when I'm drinking. So, um, For sure. I always like good company. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, everybody. So, now we're going to move on to cheers to the ladies who were we. Cheers to the ladies who are killing shit in the game. And so, first up, we're going to go into this Nike debacle Nike. with Colin Kaepernick. This Colin right? Kaepernick commercial was really, really incredible. I don't know if you both saw it. I didn't see yes. the commercial. I've only seen the picture. But let me tell you, that commercial had me feeling like I'm not doing shit with my life, number one. <laughs> let, let, let's start there. Yeah. It was inspirational, but they had people who, you know, they were describing different athletes and different challenges that they have throughout the video. And, it, and then that's where the phrase of, don't just do this believe or believe in that and blah, blah, blah. that's where the phrasing comes from and um he even has a serena in the in which the commercial love, which is serena. dope especially considering the bullshit that she's been dealing with lately so stupid and, but and so and good for her for the, wearing a fucking tutu yo the, i love you it you want to be more ladylike yes right um but anyway yeah so the commercial is just like inspiring in that way and nike has always had this thing where like either they do a commercial that has like puppets and is like completely like jokey or they do something really intense and are like trying to really motivate right. your life and make you like mm-hmm. just do it right so um i think the commercial does that really well um and Obviously, like, I kind of actually wished that I didn't know that it was a Kaepernick commercial and that I would have caught it on TV. Caught on, yes. Because, and this is just like, whatever, I studied television and radio in college, and so I get a little passionate or nerdy about it. 
But there is something that has been lost about with having the internet and people telling you things first. Imagine what that would have felt like Watch like you're just watching Will and Grace like I was watching yesterday. <laughs> just watching Will and Grace on TV and all of a sudden a commercial comes on and it's just like inspiring thing and it like draws you and it's like, well, and you are you already know it's a Nike commercial because every athlete that they're showing and stuff, it's they're wearing, either wearing like gear mm-hmm. or like something close. On it right. Something and like. not every every single shot, but a lot of the shots. Like you mm. see it's clearly Nike. I mean it's the tone of it is very Nike. But and you're hearing his voice. To be fair, like though a lot of people know who Colin Kaepernick is, I bet you most people don't really know what he sounds like or they don't right. remember his voice they don't hear him and go oh that's Colin Kaepernick mm-hmm. speaking especially if you're not into football and you weren't watching him in multiple interviews and you just know that there's this football player dude who's kneeling and people are tight about it right right mm-hmm. so I had that moment where I I was just like you know what I didn't realize that this is what he sounded like and then I felt cheated of the chance to really experience the commercial like and be surprised and then have that moment of like oh Yes, like it's him talking and it's right. him narrating and it feels so much more empowering. Not to take away, that's a completely irrelevant mm. tangent, but like, you know, the commercial did come out and instantly everybody went <coughs> crazy. Um, also including people who went crazy and started burning fucking <laughs> Nike sneakers. They were like cutting, cutting, sw- cutting merchandise that they had already bought. Yeah. Or how about the guy who burned we're his down house? His whole house. house. It was on the news recently. Like, because stupid. he was trying to burn a pair of sneakers. And you know what? Good for him. Good for him because God doesn't like ugly. That's why he gets. Now, that's what he gets for playing with fire and trying to play Nike. Nobody there was another one. There was another one that was showing um, pictures of burn marks on their feet because he burned the sneakers while they were why, on. Why they were on his feet? What a fucking idiot! That's why he got what he deserved. Because who told him to be burning the Nike stuff? Because he's tight on Nike. And then look at what ends up happening is all this buzz with Colin Kaepernick created twenty five million dollars in buzz for Nike in less than twenty four hours and you know what like there's two reactions that i have to that one is like yes fuck out of here like now you're tight we're gonna buy nike mm-hmm. and i'm like damn nike's not dumb yeah like, of course not. <laughs> well there was there was somebody who had posted on my facebook that was like ju- the caption just said were we baited like, i think so and i and i yeah. sorry i'm like as I was watching it, and even when they announced him and the billboard that they put out about him and, you know, the quote was beautiful. I thought that was art. I thought that was good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but then seeing the commercial and seeing how far ahead they put out that billboard and the whole frenzy, mm-hmm. it kind of feels like they were baiting us a little bit because people are now, frankly, you know, everyone who's gotten a Jordan or is a Jordan fanatic um, Jordan apparel and, and all of that swag that he has. You know, we're living in a time where we need a Kaepernick. Like, there needs to be a replacement for what we symbolize as greatness. greatness and, yeah. and, you know, Nike needed Kaepernick to be that face. You know, you your generation, or our generation is shifting, and there's a lot happening around politics, and there's a lot happening about sexism, racism, you know, like all of these different... Um, issues issues happening in in our communities and we no longer look to Jordan because the reality was Jordan always kept himself as an athlete he never really got involved so it's like how could we continue how is it that we continue to support a man who just was an athlete and we don't look at like the LeBron James and the Kaepernick's to say you know these guys are stepping out there risking it all they're getting involved 
yes, their job is just to be athletes, but they they are also what represents us right now. Right. You know. Right. And so, and what's important also to a lot of I think like young men because I know you probably get this a lot, Juan, too, with your students. Where like when you get real deep into politics, they are like, well, I don't really give a fuck off. about that. I don't yeah. care. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Right. And it's like it's important that some of the people who they who do catch their attention because they are athletes or rappers or what have you that mm-hmm. they also have that example where it's like yeah it's cool to you know be getting touchdowns but it's also cool to not let a whole country disrespect who you are mm-hmm. you know like that i think it's very important and i feel like our generation lost a lot of that i feel like we were like after the, eight, the us 90s babies i think we had a pacified season where like mm-hmm. not that we didn't experience racism or anything like that and mm-hmm. maybe i'm speaking more as a new york city kid and less of a 90s kid but like I feel like because we grew up in the hood around each other and there weren't white people around, we didn't really have to worry about feeling racism like that. And perhaps mm-hmm. that's not true for somebody who lives in the South maybe and was in schools that had more white people. Like my first time in school, white people was in LaGuardia yeah. in high school, you know, but I've already formed opinions. Like I'm a whole like teenager now at this point. Right. And while I'm still uh, <laughs> have room to, to be influenced and whatever, I, <clears throat> Uh, you know, I was my own person, and, and, like, I wasn't experiencing blatant racism at LaGuardia. You know what I and mean? I, and I also think it has a lot to do with, like, the what was... Go- if you look at what was going on in pop culture at the time, like, even with, like, the early 2000s, it's a very specific time. Like, yeah. there was... There were very specific fashion trends, very Britney's specific like Britney's making music people. with hip hop artists. Christina, yeah, like, all like, these yeah, things were so, like mixing. Right. There the were mm-hmm. there were so many different things mixing. Where even like you had Nelly with that country singer mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So everything was mixing and melding, and things that right now would potentially be problematic. Mm. weren't that then yeah oh even um, watching an episode of will and grace there's some moments yeah there's cringeworthy like, moments yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and there, there are things yeah. <laughs> there are there are shows that were i mean friends did not age well yeah, yeah. you know um really and friend, i remember loving friend, friends nobody could tell right, me about friends we used to watch um, me and used rachel to watch. was like the icon of the show like yeah. every woman yeah. wanted to be a rachel and have a ross That's exactly yeah. Yeah. and so like i think that was also just like a very specific time yes Um, no i i completely i've never thought of it that way but you're absolutely right but what i was gonna say with you guys there there is a moment where you guys don't feel it didn't feel it as much as when you were younger and it's because you some of you were born in the clinton era right where people were working and now it was more about like it was a democratic government at the time you know right before clinton it was like the book like i already had experienced a bush moment you know me as a child so i knew about the drug you know i was born in the era where the drug epidemic was about to be on its brink hopefully of ending right and then that the first um war happened between Iraq and the US and Bush was involved um mm-hmm. Bush senior right, right right um so you guys were in that that period where it was just like it was it was like that moment of we were getting out of that rut and then it was just like Clinton was there he did his shit and then back to Bush and 911 happened and all of you guys were like young and that's what pulled us i think back you know into a back into reality, reality like, like shit like, like we are in danger now yeah life like, was good before 911 aside from like regular being a kid and like things that bother you as a kid but anyway like and that that was not not to sidetrack so far but the idea being like we we had a moment like that and i feel like 
our young kids aren't necessarily having this, that same thing, but there are still kids who are like, I don't really care about this, and they don't have a reason to feel the connection. But with Trump being president, and God forbid he gets another four years, but if he does, like, it's important for them to understand that they need to stand tall and like righteous in who they are and not just be pacified by like different idols and people who are being thrown in their face who don't stand for anything and are just there as fillers. So anyway, but yeah, cheers to Nike. Um, but a bigger cheers to the Indian Supreme Court. Finally, uh, homosexuality has been decriminalized in Ooh. India. Y'all can have gay sex. <laughs> <laughs> and it's That's some- literally what it is, though. It's like they can now have a gay sex. Right. And, and <laughs> But the idea that that was that, I mean, there's so many countries that are in that place where it is like a crime. And it's being in the U.S., like, because we fight, so, like, we've just gotten through the marriage equality thing. Like, our fight is still a fight, but it's so far ahead that uh-huh. when I saw this headline, I was like, wait, it was a crime? Uh, and it made me feel really, like, ignorant to, to you know. Right, just, to the other side of the world that still right. is against. Yeah. I think for me, it was it was kind of, for me, it was like, oh, that's cool. But it wasn't necessarily a surprise that it was a crime. Because I know that a lot of parts, a lot of parts of the a lot of areas in that part of the world, like, they're getting killed. Like, yeah, no, and, like, and that... Like, and publicly, I know, no, you know? Like, no, I totally know um, that, but I guess I just think of India because it is such... It's, like, there's so much business, and, like, it is a central hub for mm. a lot of things. I don't know why I assumed that it would be more progressive. It, that's just my lack of knowledge. Like, I'm mm, not... Like, right. if we were talking about uh, a different country in a different region, like, somewhere in a... Re- like, a country in Africa, or maybe somewhere in the Middle East, or, yeah, or, like, Russia, and, you mm-hmm. know, like, all these other countries. Like... That makes sense to me, but for some reason, India just wasn't on my list of places for that. So, but either way, super dope. Like, yes, awesome. I hope that you guys have the best sex in the world. Yeah, and, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm, and, I'm and one like pride note, parades one. and things like that. I, I'm really excited to see how this flourishes. It's a big move, and I hope that other countries who aren't in that place sort of follow suit. Yes, so I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna cheers to all the teachers and DOE <laughs> employees. Yeah, um, we started work this week, or at least, well, when this comes out, it'll be last week, and yeah, it's hard out here for a teach, so <laughs> you know, <laughs> Gotta get how, are, how, are they, how is it uh, getting back into the classroom? How'd you feel? Um, well, it's the first week, so they're always behaving in the first week. But I already have like an idea of who's gonna be the problem. The problem yeah, kids. I already, I already Why know. is it that they label them that? And teachers not, talk not, about it, not, right? Not, you don't label them the problem. You know, just uh, maybe a challenge, maybe um, <laughs> a special snowflake. Oh. You know, <laughs> um, seventh grade is full of that. <laughs> and high school, you know, you get a couple of attitudes here and there. So, yeah. But well, cheers to you. Yeah, cheers to uh, cheers to me and cheers to the rest of the teachers all over the city. Ha- have an <laughs> awesome school year, guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, Cory Booker releasing these motherfucking emails. So, um, first of all, like talking, let's talk about Brett. Let's talk about Brett. <laughs> Brett is really, really out here trying to get this seat, and the reality is, um, they're not trying to hear it. They're not trying to. But the Democrats, I feel like. This is the first time that I'm like seeing the Democrats give a level of pushback that I'm like, yeah, 
you have to fucking get a little tougher. You know mm. what I mean? Like, I understand that, like, you know, when they go low, we go high. I totally get that. But there are moments where some motherfuckers just really need to get hit. I grew up with that sort of ideology. Like, we're mm-hmm. nonviolent, but, like, sometimes a bitch just needs to get slapped. Right? Mm-hmm. So, like, I just feel... <laughs> I feel that all the time as a teacher, you know? Like, sometimes it's like kids just need to get their ass beat. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, like... I just feel like maybe I shouldn't say that. But <laughs> like, are we? Don't, don't worry, I'm not. We won't quote you on that. Yeah. Um, but I just, you know, I think like the fact that uh, Cory Booker was willing to sort of get on the line and like violate something, which apparently he actually uh, everything was not, none of it was um, an issue of national security or anything like that. So I don't believe that he's actually going to get in a shit ton of trouble. But the idea that he could have potentially done it. Was was a big thing, but it was kind of funny I too. The hood in me was kind of was kind of laughing because he what was it he said he was like he this said, is my first yes. this is the closest I'll get to a Spartacus moment and yes. I was like when he said that shit when he said that shit I was just like damn he watched fucking Spartacus he was just like it was just like he's just so corny. I just was yeah, like, you're it was so like, corny. Yeah, it was. Yeah, but 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 that's an aside. I'm being mean, but like that to me is like, yes, y'all motherfuckers needs to be out here willing to lose your jobs because the lack of action has motherfuckers out here losing their lives. Mm. Like, we need that type of action. Like, Martin Luther King got arrested. Like, what y'all scared about out here? If y'all need to break some fucking rules to get shit done, then get shit done. So I really feel like that, you know, it was a great move um, on their part and... Yeah, I don't know. I I just, I wonder what's going to happen. But Brett himself... Um, is interesting. So we know that he's trying to um, sort of overturn Roe versus Wade. Um, And he's just all up in our pussies. Like, I don't understand why he feels like he needs to have a say on abortion. He called birth control pills, like, I think almost like abortion or like induced. I I don't remember. Yeah, it was something to that effect because a lot of women were saying, I need to go get a refill of my abortion pills. Right. Like Like, tagging him on on Instagram. Right. And and, and so like he's trying to take over our organs. He's clearly racist. Like it just isn't... it isn't fair that that the Democrats, so they were handed a bunch of documents with very little time to review them and were expected to, and, and I think only 7% of the, of the documents on Brett and like sort of his background and stuff were released and traditionally anyone else, so like Sotomayor or other people who have been uh, sort of put in that position have released 100%. Everything, yeah. Why can't we see 100% of what this, why under a Trump administration is anyone feeling like they just have the right to not show anything? It's clearly like, I feel like a conspiracy is being weaved in our faces and like no one's doing anything about it. Kamala Harris actually really went in on him. She basically like had asked him a very direct question and he couldn't answer it. He couldn't answer whether or not he had spoken to people at a specific law firm in regards to the case. And the way he was, like, talking in circles, it was so annoying. Like, that was a moment where I was like, slap a bitch. Like, Mm. I wanted her to come down so bad and just slap him or, or, like, just, like, yoke him up a little and be like, Mm -hmm. answer the fucking question. He was circling around so much. um, And he thinks this is a game. Like, I feel like the whole Republican Party thinks this shit is a game. Um, And we literally, like, if these midterm elections, like, I know people are always saying, go out and vote, go out and vote. And yes, you should always go out and vote. But, like, if we don't try to fuck up these midterm elections... Man, I don't know what. 
Well, know you know, what. we've had some small wins. There was a, a win in recently in Boston. In Boston. Yep. Yes. 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 Um, she won uh, for Congress, yeah, I believe. She's, she's going up. For, uh, and she was um, campaigning for a very long time. And, you know, people who supported um, her, actually the person, I don't know if you remember her, Julie, uh, the lady who, who worked for MTV, who used to do stuff with you guys with the youth council. Okay. She, Julia Mejia, she's, uh, she used to work for MTV, um, mm -hmm. productions mm -hmm. and she actually was running, you know, helping her in Boston. She lives in Boston. And now. her name is Ayanna Presley. Um, the woman who won in Boston, right. Ayanna Presley. Um, and she gave a beautiful speech. She even like thanked her opponent in it, um, for making her like a stronger, um, candidate and like, like making her bring her best foot forward for things. So, um, that's a win. And we've had a lot of women winning, um, overall, and we're having a lot of democratic wins. So like a young, eager people who are winning um like alexandra ocasia here mm -hmm. um you know books. different position but still right. like just like in general in office we have a lot of young people and that's super super fucking dope let's keep the shit up next cheers to cicely tyson who is finally getting an oscar so she's yes. getting a special honor um at the oscars this year first of all she's 93 years old but she is looking fucking Great. Yeah. yeah. She's older than Queen Elizabeth. Um, but yeah, she's getting an honorary award alongside Kathleen Ken Kennedy, Frank Marshall, Lalo Schifrin, and Marvin Levy. So um, I'm proud of her. And it's crazy to me that, you know, she doesn't it took have this one. Long. Mm -hmm. But you know, mm -hmm. black progress, slow, slow but always sure. Slow but always sure. So shout outs to Cicely. And Cicely, who always works with Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry offered Jeffrey Owens a job over Twitter. Jeffrey Owens was the guy that was working at Trader yes, Joe's, yes. who was on the Cosby, the Cosby show. Yes. and Fox tried to shame him. Mm -hmm. Well, now people are reaching out. So Tyler Perry offered him a job over Twitter, and Nicki Minaj offered to donate $25,000 to him. So I'm like... Wow, Nicki Minaj. That's give me that random money. to me yeah. for some reason that Nicki got involved. Is Nicki just know. trying to get her reputation back up? Girl, I don't know. What's she's going, going crazy. Nikki? Yeah, I'm she's like, all over the place. Can little. we talk about like, that real all quick? right. Because I so, actually don't get... Dame loose on that. Because I actually have... <laughs> no idea what's going on <laughs> with this woman so i like okay so it it's it's been a very weird era because um you know cardi b had blown up and all that stuff right and while cardi b had released her album Nicki minaj completely disappears mm -hmm. finally like a week after cardi b releases her album Nicki minaj reappears on the internet and then releases Chun-Li and Barbie Tings. But you would think that, like, having disappeared from the internet for, like, over six months, um, she would be releasing an album and not right. two singles. Um, but whatever, we You're took basically, it... She wasn't doing shit. Yeah, <laughs> we took it with a grain of salt or whatever. We saw Chun-Li climbed up the charts eventually and, um, you know, whatever. There's this... There's still this... Um, at the Met Gala, we thought that the feud between Cardi and Nicki was squashed or whatever, but apparently... Right. It was for TV only. That's not the case because, <laughs> um, you know, subs are thrown and all this stuff between mm -hmm. the two of them. But more so, Nicki Minaj comes out with her album, which, like I said last week, is an actually... It's a good album. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately... Uh, it debuted at number two on the Billboard charts 
behind Astro World by yeah. Travis Scott, yeah. who was number one for the second right. week in a row. So she was tight because apparently she says that he was selling sweaters and merchandise and tour passes mm-hmm. um, in bundles without having so okay so let's let's backtrack a little bit in the music (laughs) industry in the music industry it's now like a thing for people to create bundles for Mm -hmm, you so you get like a a jacket and you'll get like a signed poster and then you'll get your album and stuff like that he was apparently selling bundles without having the like guarantee of getting the album Mm -hmm. with the bundle gotcha so Apparently, they're including those sales in his first week sales, and that's why he had the number one album. Right. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So she was tight about that and was speaking out about that. Another thing that apparently happened, she accused Spotify of... um, Leaking it? No, not leaking it, of punishing her and not giving her the amount of promotion that they would usually give her because she played the album 10 minutes before it was supposed to be released on Apple Music. Mm. So apparently that was another thing. And then, so people, like, it's been a a string of, like, these very Azealia-esque Twitter rants. Yes. You know? As I've and yeah so it's it's very interesting to see how the tides have changed because people really like have been siding with cardi and people really have been siding with like other people because of her rants like they've been kind of like crazy which yeah at the end of the day i don't know what's true or what's not true in Mm -hmm. terms of the bundles or whatever but i feel like number two is still charting at number two like you're still making mad money um now there's other people who have weighed in, like uh, I believe it's uh, is it Childish Gambino that had the the music video the with music the cartoon, video with yes. the cartoon. Yes. And so in there, there's a clip of Nicki Minaj and Travis Scott building, like Nicki Minaj building a castle with with Legos, and then Travis Scott just like knocking it down. <gasps> um, he has his so nail sitting shade. on a tree too. Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. saw that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's a great album. I'm still a fan of hers. I hope that whatever she's going through works out because she also had to, um, reschedule the American leg of her tour. Mm-hmm. So like originally her album was supposed to come out in June. The album came out in August. So then the tour was supposed to start in September and now they're rescheduling it to next year. Right. Wow. So Well, no, May. next year soon. So. Well, yeah. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, like wow. wow. Like <laughs> instead of starting in September, it'll we'll start in January. Gotcha. So um yeah, I don't know. Do you know. think she's it's just that she's it. like past her prime? Like, I mean, no. I don't know that. I don't know to say that it's necessarily past her prime. Like, I feel like there's a trend where we, where the industry likes to take artists, build them up, and make them seem invincible, and then tear them down. Yes, and oh, we've yeah. seen this time and time again. I mean, yeah. Britney Spears, mm-hmm. example number one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and guess what? That happened after her fourth album. Yeah. So yeah. like yeah <laughs> like yeah. Kanye West. Um, but you know what it is is that like, is that like you get the four years to be your young goofy self, and then mm-hmm. once you've matured four years, it's kind of like high school. It's like okay, let the freshmen come in, and we're gonna build artists that are better than you because we want to see what you fucking got. And mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people like she's had issues with Funk, funk Flex, and she kind of came at him because he was saying some real sexist shit, like mm-hmm. um, trying to 
ask her if she writes her own lyrics, you know, all of that shit. Like, and I think that that's what the industry does. Like it gives you a good four years for yourself. And now it's Mm -hmm. like move over. If you can't compete now, then that's it. I mean, I also think that she's somewhat at fault too, because if she would have, I've, I've been following her obviously. And I've been following Cardi B and the, at the end of the day, Cardi B just comes off way more genuine. Of course. And everything. So, um, I think that if Nicki Minaj would have just been more, like, like yes, she did motorsport with Cardi, but like if she would have just been like really accepting of Cardi and really genuinely like, they both the thing is that Cardi is like the guy that stands on the corner with the sign like I'm just give me money for beer like she's being that honest like like, I'm not gonna dance for you on the train just give me money for beer like that's Cardi's right now that's like her her motto. And then again, we don't. I like the old. The old. I'm always like very wary because you don't know what's constructed by right. the publicist and, and what is wh- the person. So like, what if like in in my head, I'm like, what if, what if Cardi isn't as genuine as she comes off, or what if you? Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. But like, there are people who know Cardi because Cardi's from the Bronx. So I know right. like three people yeah. who know Cardi B. And like they, they none of them have said that she's being inauthentic in the way that she acts. Um, it's she's just extra herself. Like you know, she's yeah. she's always been the loud girl in class. She's extra loud in front of others. She's always said, "Well, it's kind of like with Azealia. We know Azealia, we know Azealia, right? So like when she's cutting ass and saying shit on Twitter, that's not. Uh, we know that's not a publicist. That's Azealia Banks mm-hmm. speaking. And I think that there's a lot of that with Cardi, where I feel like when Cardi is not being genuine and when like people are pushing her, it's very obvious. When she did her SNL episode and there was a skit with like the the white chick I, I talk about this episode a lot because it really annoyed me I was actually kind of offended by it where um, one of the the I don't know her name but she's uh, one of the white actresses on um, SNL and she listens to Cardi's album and then all of a sudden she's like talking like Cardi B and like disrespecting people and she feels like empowered by the album and she's acting like ratchet mm-hmm. and stuff in that skit like I can tell Cardi wasn't really being genuine. Like, she's not a good actress. Mm -hmm. Cardi is not a good actress. Um, But, you know, she is who she is. I think she's genuine. I don't know. I don't know. But, yeah, so that's... That's that, T. I don't know. Nikki, I love the album. Can't wait to see you live. Yeah. And I hope that... I don't know. I feel feel like I always wanted people to, like, continue liking her because there was that point where Nicki Minaj was literally the only female rapper that anybody... Yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot of people love her... But I now there's her, like one of her first <laughs> albums. There's right. like gangs of them. Like there's you look online and there's a ton of girls like with vibrant colored wigs and rap songs and stuff. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. So Juan, Alex is black. Did uh, you know? Alex Haynes. Alex is Haynes. Black. If you don't know, freaking incredible. Yes. He's a writer. He's an actor here in New York City. Um, he is in Puffs now, so if yes. you have seen Puffs the show Puffs, come come see Puffs again because Alex Haynes is in it now. Um, but Alex Haynes has a series um, on Vimeo called Alex is Black, and it's short clips that sort of give you an insight on being biracial. Um, and it's so like so. Episode one came out. And it was actually pretty fucking touching. Yeah, it's um, really cute. Yeah, it's and I don't want to like spoil it for people, but like the conversation around being biracial and using the N word. 
mm-hmm. nigga. I don't. I hate the phrase the n word. Yeah. Saying nigga, like you know. Um, it's it, a very cute, refreshing two minutes and thirteen. Two seconds. minutes, yeah. Totally check it out. We've shared it already, but if uh, you know, you don't go to our page. If you don't follow our page, you should be following our page. But uh, Alex is black on yes. Vimeo, um, and he's also you know uh, doing a fundraiser so he can keep doing episodes. So donate to that shit. Support art, man. We spend mad money on all these artists who don't give a fuck about us at mm. the end of the day, but we won't throw $10 to go see our friend in the show. No shade. Word. Just saying. And the last cheers to the ladies who is going out to Queen Rihanna for a one year of Fenty Beauty. We Ooh. love you. Yeah, that shit's dope. <laughs> yeah. It's good makeup. All right, so now we're moving into our Tuta Loca Es, where we call motherfuckers out from doing the most, but... Um, I also want to take the moment before we get into that to acknowledge that a few hours before we started recording, uh, Mac Miller passed away mm-hmm. um, from of an overdose. And his last tweet was a lyric from his new album um, that talks about fuck nine lives, um, you know, and fuck a heaven. Um, I'm, you know, I'm still going to get high. Something along those words. I'm uh, paraphrasing but he was only 26 years old only 26 and i feel like there's it's i mean if you look at xxs tentacion he was a young 26 year old demi lovato 25 Mm -hmm. um mac miller 26 like this i mean i I don't want to say younger generation because they're only a a year year younger younger than us yeah but, like, what are we doing? I don't know. <laughs> what are we doing, I, guys? It, it actually kind of scares me. Like, I've, growing up, for me, like, I remember thinking weed was such a huge deal. Like, mm-hmm. the effects of what weed would do to your life in my head were magnified to the degree that actually all these other drugs that I didn't even imagine or know of actually actually make your life worse. Um, and... There's a lot of uh, depression and feelings that are tied to th- this drug use. Um, and I think it just goes to show, again, like mental health is real and it doesn't matter if you're rich. Money does not solve mental health. Money only solves mental health if we're putting money into programs and stuff that will right. help people and like therapy and you know what I mean? Like if that's where the money's going. But if you're just talking about a bunch of rich kids and you know, a lot of people are actually blaming Ariana Grande for his depression. Yeah, leave yeah. Ariana Which, leave her alone. alone. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, that's She's already that's her, uh, a lot. She's like, she, imagine losing an, a person that you were literally in a relationship Ship with. with. Like, yeah, whether you broke up or not doesn't matter. Like, it's not like they ended because he did some, like, wild... Like, mm-hmm. you know, she had no reason to hate right. him. Um, it's, it's really... I don't know. Trolls are a sick, sick, sick group of people. Yeah. Sometimes they're funny, but sometimes they're just assholes. She had to uh, deactivate her Instagram and stuff mm. because all of the overwhelming amounts of like hate comments that she was getting. Um, and she already went through something recently this in week, public, right? In Aretha's yeah, yeah, yeah. funerals, like yeah. she's already been yeah. kind of demoralized and yeah. Just leave that girl alone. Leave that girl alone. Mm. We also lost Burt Reynolds this week. Uh, you know, Burt Reynolds Burt. to me, like. I grew up in a generation, like, I know who he is, like... But you don't really know. I don't have an attachment to him, but a lot of, you know, we're losing a lot of people. I'm starting, mm. the more that people like Brent Reynolds die, the more I'm like, oh, wow, I never knew that person's name, or, oh, shit, yeah, that's the dude from this, or I don't right. recognize them when they're young, but I'm like, oh, that he That was the grandpa the from that, right? Like, he yeah. was in that one episode of this. Like, mm-hmm. just, like, nowhere near close to their legacy. And that's, <laughs> <laughs> and that's how 
I remember them. But still, R.I.P. Burt Reynolds, he was an icon. He actually wanted to be a football player um, and had like an injury and then eventually found himself in Hollywood and had a career. So he was mostly a sports guy. Um, mm. Yeah, and he was in the original The Longest Yard. Um, and that I know him from that. And I also know him from the episode of Golden Girls when they make a big deal about Burt Reynolds and he comes on like... I feel bad. I don't have anything valuable to add, but he had a great legacy. So, so um, I'm going to jump in on this one because Sephora just try to play themselves. Um, if you have been following Sephora, Penrose uh, company was trying to do some starter witch kits. Um, it went really bad and really south. A lot of people started um, coming after them on Instagram, sending them like statements saying that they're inappropriating like this um, ritual that some a lot of like cultures have, whether it be um, saging or doing any type of like hoodoo. Root work, and it was like kind of like they were inappropriating that type of lifestyle that certain people take very seriously, and it's their business, it's their career. And um, they decided not to release it, which is Good. you know, was a Don't great thing. You know, I think people are getting too overly like yogi, like, oh, I do yoga, therefore I should own six stones, or you know, I should just have stones, or I think I'm a wish witch because I have random dreams and I see them in my real life so it's like some people really do feel energy and they really have experiences and I don't think it's for everybody I just you know certain things are meant to be if you're not about that life you're not about that right really like you out here you think you want to I think uh, Jack Fuller had posted this meme that I thought was hilarious about where like somebody there people are on an escalator and there's these like two like twin like ghost in front and nobody notices except the one kid whose eyes are like bulging out of his head and it's because he can see debt like he can see spirits and shit right and they're like oh everybody want to be a witch until they see spirits you imagine that shit walking around mm -hmm. and literally seeing spirits left and right that shit is scary mm -hmm. and so to make a sort of like to sort of like make it a cutesy thing and you know what things like american horror story like when the whole supreme thing came out that was oh cute. yes right. like, i was, was all cute. about being a part of the coven right. and like dressing like that Still and am. like wearing the style <laughs> is like cool like you know what i mean but like if you not really about to be like you know, right. calling upon your spirit guides and doing that whole shit. Like, or if you think you're about it and then you do it and then you, you're, you know what I mean? It's just like, right. don't really, it's not a joke. It's not a cute thing. And it, it is a, some people's religion. Right. Like, so it would be like selling Christianity kits or Jew kits. Right. Like, exactly. you know what I mean? That's not appropriate. <laughs> it's right. just not it's appropriate. Just not. Um, so another thing that we have to fucking talk about that also happened this week, um, a man sitting in his apartment chilling uh has a police officer walk in she thinks she's in her own apartment and she shoots him and kills him i honestly like i heard that and it didn't it just didn't make sense to me and so i was like okay i need to sort of like do research because it, it doesn't make sense to me that someone would walk into a house and how you don't know your own house like <laughs> you know what i mean like i just how do you not know your own house what was she to on? To the point is that, what you, I'm that you, you, like, you're gonna. How do you get into somebody else's house? Also, yeah, I, I honestly, I, 
Y'all not locking your doors. Right. Lock your yeah, doors, Yeah, I was going to say, what, Honestly, state, what state was this in? In Dallas. This is Dallas, Texas. Okay, because oh, I do I know. I feel like that's a state that they don't lock their doors. Lock your doors. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, Sierra la ventana. <laughs> but, like, all jokes aside, so um, the gentleman's name is Botham Jean, um, and he's from the he's from St. Lucia. Um, and he, you know, just graduated um uh, of uh, sorry, he just graduated from um, Harding University in Arkansas, and um, you know he has a really great legacy. Um, Sean King, who often writes articles, he he's um, a journalist and he covers a lot of like Black Lives Matter things and just social justice issues. Like knew his a friend of his, so like he was like one of these social justice warriors. Um, which honestly, to me, like the story's still developing. They haven't released any details. They haven't released her identity. Low-key, if that's her neighbor and she is some crazy racist person, like, I could I, I could see her doing that shit on purpose. I don't want to make conspiracies or anything like that, but it just seems a little like too Like, how do you fucking, burst in? Yeah. It just seems too fucking far-fetched. Because at least I burst in and I'm like, oh, shit. Is the first, oh, shit, oh, shit, there's a black man sitting down? Or is the first shit, oh, shit, this doesn't look like my apartment. What happened to my apartment? Like, because... Or just he, I don't think he had the same couch. You know, it, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, like, how, how do you walk it, into yes. someone's home and think it's your home? And how long were you in that space that you that you thought it, you had to kill someone? It feels like a setup. Like, yeah, you know, like they're saying sense. that to the public, because like anyone right now, like no one is buying the same shit. Like, come on, like yeah. she. It, it it could have been something where somebody might have called the cops. Who's who's the Who's right, the, who's the Becky who who's called the, the Becky cops? Becky who called the cops, right? And then here comes this woman. She notices it's a man, probably shoots him, and then mm, makes it... No, but she really thought that is the statement. Parades. She thought she was walking into her apartment. That is the statement. This isn't mm. the theory. She literally said, I thought I was walking into my apartment, and, you know, I... I don't believe it. You know, well, I, I don't believe it either, but... Off, were the lights off? Well, these are all the questions that no one has the answers to right now, right? Or rather, they haven't released. Like, they're just still investigating. By the time this episode comes out, though, we'll probably have more answers but right now that shit just don't much. make no sense shit mm-hmm. makes she's zero. trying to get her story together yeah mm-hmm. and next on our tuta loca we have a couple of supers that were getting a little bit handsy mm. what is this orgy in <laughs> nitra housing in throgs next specifically? and the third orgy yeah. wow <laughs> and, and why weren't we invited in the bronx <laughs> Well, I mean, I already told you my concern, but <laughs> I don't think I'm going to say that on the podcast. Yes, but, but we know. Yes, I understand. <laughs> but you know what's wild that that, that it's Throg's Neck specifically? The other day, um, my dad had like driven past there. We were going, I forgot where we were going. And I was like, oh, this is what the Throg's Neck projects look like? They look really nice. Like, because Throg's Neck is nice, yeah, though. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, the projects, like, the buildings aren't as high. You know how some project mm-hmm. buildings are super tall? It, they're short buildings, and it looks like there's a lot of green grass everywhere. And right. that's not to say, I'm not trying to make projects seem luxurious. I'm very well aware that mm-hmm. the situation in housing projects is, like, ridiculous. But from the outside, that housing project, I was like, hmm, it looks like that. I didn't see nobody outside in front of the building. Like, I didn't mm-hmm, see nothing. So right. I was like, oh, that's interesting. I wonder what it's like to live in these projects. Well, they, well now you know. Now I know. It's because everybody's too busy fucking each other. <laughs> I'm just, I mean, it, it, it's, it seems pretty kinky. Yeah. Um, Like, There's meet me in the steam room it. or, like, the laundry know. room. Ooh. And it was I would only you know, was, do it if the super was hot or if, like, the janitor but was hot. But do you hot. think and it, I bet is that it the they weren't. 
I bet that they weren't hot <laughs> is kind of my thing. I'm like, I'm pretty sure none of these people are fucking attractive. Yeah. And so like people are wow. just right now suspended um, on 30 days without pay. Mm. Um, so, yeah. You You're know. recovering, right? Oh, uh, because you were trying to get it off, man. Yeah. And, and apparently they're also trying to see if they were putting in overtime hours during this. So Yo, like imagine to get paid. To wow. have an orgy. Yeah. Can't have it all, guys. Yeah. Can't have it all. Absolutely. So, you know, <laughs> that's wild. They're just out here being wild. Out here getting overtime <laughs> and a nut. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? Uh-uh. Speaking of wild, um, Orlando Brown got arrested for robbery in Vegas. Orlando Brown, for those of you that's guys who don't not know, so he's Raven. <laughs> the dude from That's So Raven. <sighs> He's, he's been going through yeah, it. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, because, like, I remember it was either last year or two years ago where um he he was, like, throwing out claims that, like, he got Raven pregnant and she had to abort his child. I didn't like, hear that one. Yeah. yeah, I didn't hear that one either. I just knew he had a drug mm-hmm. problem. Yeah, I knew he had a drug He'd be wildin'. He's mm-hmm. wild. Yeah, he's really, really wild. Another thing wild, that's wild, a man bringing uh, a Trump 2020 flag to Frozen mm-hmm. on Broadway. Literally, what? it was like he was front what? row. There's a video on Instagram where like there's this guy just holding up a Trump flag. And one of the ensemble members grabbed the flag and threw it backstage because it was during the curtain call. Uh, mm. Um and yeah, a lot of people were re- uh, uh, in the Broadway community were like mad upset, especially at Frozen because it's like it's yeah, a kids show. Frozen of all the it's shows. It's just reminding the kids of what's coming. about like love, You're and right. it's like what you got against Olaf, like yeah, yeah. So fuck that, fuck that's weird. That's and then lastly, officials found a mass grave in Mexico holding 166 bodies from. <sighs> Um, and apparently this isn't like the first. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like, uh, it's like in a city called Veracruz where there have been married, a lot of disappearances Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that have been linked to like drug wars and Mm. cartels and whatnot. Honestly, like a few episodes ago, like I had brought up how they were thinking about legalizing drugs just to see if they can like control. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. The problem. Like, and this is, this is, this is what we're talking Mm -hmm. about. Like this is. You know, there's been more than 35,000 people who've disappeared in Mexico. 9,000 are women and wow. 6,300 are minors. That's Yeah, that's crazy. a lot. That's a lot. That's a... Oof, it like gets under my skin. I get chills just thinking about it. It's like some movie shit. Um, all right. So now let's move into our topic. So college access for kids in the quote-unquote hood. So as Vanessa had mentioned, she does work um, with young people. um, And so I definitely want to hear a little bit about your job, but I definitely also want to hear about your journey. Um, So you did say that your passion, you sort of got a passion from it from working with kids, but you've had an interesting journey with education yourself. So what is your educational journey and how did it get you to this job? Um, I was not one of those scholarly students. I mean, I was very lazy when it came to my education. Uh, I decided really late in high school that I wanted to do fashion. So like 11th grade, as I'm sitting in a Vander, shout out, shameless plug, a Vander high school. High school, badass school. (laughs) Which is, you know, that's my school school. though, guys. If you went to Vander and survived. So shout out to everyone who went to Vander. Um, 
So I went to Evander and around, uh, it was like junior year, I decided I wanted to do fashion. I don't know why. I was watching a lot of Bravo at the time. They used to put up all of the fashion weeks. Um, and I was like into fashion, but not really like, I was more of a tomboy at the time, like never really dressed up or anything like that. But it was the first time I ever really put myself in a challenge and I whipped up a portfolio and drew a bunch of sketches. She drew a dress. She had to dry, draw a vegetable or fruit dress and she drew a carrot dress that looked really, it was like the sexy, like, um, it was cut off, it was strapless and it was like a tight little thing. And then it had ribs inside that looked like the carrot ribs and it looked dope. I, I will never forget that picture. See, like I remember the picture. I had some sort of, yeah. yeah, yeah and, no, no, and it's true. Like it was the first time I did not have any previous experience with drawing or doing any of that type of stuff. Like I was just really like very imaginative and creative about it. And I still have that sketch actually. Um, and it was the first time I challenged myself. I didn't get accepted. I cried. I, I remember did the that whole, day. like, oh, I'm never going to amount to anything. And then I, um, then I went into college. I ended up going to City Tech um, in Brooklyn as a fashion marketing major. And I quickly realized that College was for me, like high school, middle school, and elementary. I don't know what the fuck that was, yeah. but college just felt like I was in control. I was taking classes that I was interested in. I had a lot of issues very young, like staying focused in class, and a lot of it was because I'm really the type of person that if something doesn't interest me, it's very hard for me to stay involved. And like, you know how some people say, just tough it out, take one for the team. Yeah. I'm not that when it comes to like something I know I have to wake up every day to do. Um, so, you know, went to college and I actually started getting fucking A's and that, you know, I was like showing my mom because my mom, you know, who came to this country so that we can have a better life said to me, well, you know, at least you got your high school diploma. And then it became a thing like, well, I'm going to fucking finish college. Cause I can't believe my mom thought that I was only good enough for a, a high school diploma. And she didn't think you were only good enough. For I know that. that. I'm not yeah. saying it like Don't that, but you know, like that. It, it wasn't, it wasn't in that intentional way, but she kind of said like you accomplished something further than I did. And you know, mm -hmm. when you're young, you don't really understand that until you're put through those trenches. So, you know, I went to college for two years and transferred into York and I had to quickly change my major even in city tech because the major that I was in, I was in fashion marketing. I wasn't really going to get into the fashion world. So I had to switch my major to marketing management, transferred to York, graduated and and I am not going to tell you guys that. The year, uh, okay. <laughs> I won't say the year uh, for those people who don't know me. Um, and because then they'll think I'm younger than you, Julie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so I graduated um, from college and then, um, I just went to work, um, right before my end of year in college, uh, children's aid decided to push me out of their nest and say, go work in your industry. And I worked for a company. It was a research company. We sold airtime for commercial. And as soon as the writers, um, strike happened, so did the the end of that company. You know, they closed a bunch of um, research companies or just ad companies because when writers don't write, ads don't sell. So basically ads 
kind of buy the airtime for the TV show. Right. So when a TV show gets canceled, it's because companies like Toyota or Coca-Cola have pulled out from wanting to advertise during their, their airtime. So that's how shows sometimes get canceled and people don't realize it. They're like, oh, remember that show was so good and then it just disappeared? It's usually because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, um, I learned a lot there, but I was not happy and um, went back into um, education. And I started working with high school kids and doing college access work um, through this um, grant um, through CUNY called Gear Up. And I learned a lot there. I was able to meet incredible professionals doing incredible work even till this day. Um, But then I really got the feel for the college access world because my journey was such a struggle Um, My career kind of made up for all of that. Uh, I became very passionate about college access. I I started doing research about it. I started looking back historically on what statistics said about not only just children in general, but inner city kids, especially in New York, especially in the Bronx, because, you know, I kind of did my post, you know, most of my educational career from high school on here. And then it was just like, I don't know, it, it, there was a moment, I think, after the fifth year of doing this work where the term of it being work for me disappeared and it was just who I was, is what I became. Um, so then later on in, in my career, I decided, well, you know what, I'm going to take a master's. Um, and I was fortunate enough, I did come back to Children's Aid and I worked Um, recently left Children's Aid, but I came back and I did another five to six years there um, doing the same work. And um, I met a director, Harry Gonzalez, who sat me down and said, you know too fucking much to not have a master's. So you need to go and get a master's. And he's like, and you know, he asked me, why don't you have a master's? And at the time I was just like, oh, because I felt like I had enough years of experience. (laughs) I was already like, already like into my eighth ninth year of college access work so I was like I kind of know it already I don't feel like I need a master's he's like but wouldn't you want to do more with what you know and at least have people in the industry kind of respect you because you know now it's like I was stepping into certain rooms where there were people with their master's already some of them going for their PhD in this work and you know college access has become like such a buzzword right now in the educational system that it was like who was I going to be in that room if I didn't have credentials to say that I'm helping kids get into college. So, you know, it's a lot of political um, side to it. So I decided to go for my master's and I didn't know what I wanted to do at first. And, you know, higher education became like an interest for me because this part of doing college access with high school kids is the easy part. Anybody could go to college and, you know, I'll dive in a little deeper in a, in a bit about that. Anyone can go to college and because anyone can go to college, the, the access part is easy. It's, it's the part that, that is not easy is the ensuring that these kids are finishing college, which is another story. Right. You know, the numbers change drastically when you're measuring students going in versus students completing and going out. Right. So like, so, and, and like sort of on that point, then like what some, what are some of the roadblocks that uh, kids in our community face when they're going into college? So, I mean, there's this theory and uh, there are many books, textbooks, um, college textbooks that talk about the the six to 10 year theory, right? Where 
kids of color specifically, and this is more of race and ethnicity, um, take from six to 10 years to actually complete a college education because of issues like finances, um, currently now with the issue with undocumentation, right? It's still very hard for a student who's undocumented to, to go to college without having to pay out of pocket. Mm -hmm. um, there aren't any more resources. The DREAM Act is very much so at times in limbo and they're always right. voting for it. And every year it's a very, and when it was in play, which was great, it was very difficult to get the funding because you had to be like an exceptional undocumented student who's mm. like smarter than every kid in America. And here you go, here's the money for you to continue your education. So even with the few programs that are there to support, they're very um, difficult to get into and to keep them because every year they had to reapply. Right, so. and then you also have the kids like like you know like what we saw growing up where it's like yeah well I need to help out because my grandma got sick and she's the right. one who's raising me right. or you know such and such didn't have money yeah like you said like I I wanted to go away for college and like oh, my scholarship only covered a year and then right. we didn't have the money to keep me out there so I had to come back like mm. there's so many different little roadblocks that actually come up in that way that um, kids who are in a different socioeconomic status just never right. have to worry about right and it's life exactly exactly what you said it's it's those little glitches those little roadblocks um students having family members pass away while they're in college and then deciding mm -hmm. to just stay home because they need to take care of siblings um and just just a lot of different reasons as to why um and even systematically yes there are, and there's a lot of and i was just gonna get into that there's also students who've been incarcerated or done juvie and then they come out thinking well i can't do college because you know financial aid doesn't cover it ask that one little question like have you ever been a felon and if you have but what kids don't know is that i didn't know that so yes. if you're a former felon they won't fund you yeah, there, there's a question that asks, have you ever been, um, have you ever committed a crime or been considered a felon? And if you check yes, they kind of tell you to give a reason. Mm -hmm. But it's basically a loophole for them to say, oh, maybe not. We'll give you some. So, so it's, it's depends. not like written. It's, oh, not, it's not a written rule that you won't get funding, but it but can it skew. Can. Yeah. Interesting. I didn't know that. It can skew your application. So what happens is usually I always like to ask kids because I've I've ran into situations like that where I've had students who did something and they went to court and they kind of had a case and they broke parole. Like I had a student my first year in one of my positions where he had an issue like that and I didn't know about it. I got a call from him during the summer because he did some shit and he broke parole. I didn't even mm. know he had a case. Mm. So I had to like get in touch with his lawyer and find out like what kind of case was it? Was it a case that would affect his financial aid? And, you know, we found out that there is a system you can go in and check to see if the, if what the crime or what situation you, they're claiming that you committed. Like just because you have a case <laughs> against you or you did something right. doesn't mean you cannot get financial right. aid. There are ways to find out is there, if your name is under a system that blocks those things, similar mm -hmm. to voting rights, right? So it's kind of like if you're on the list of not being able to vote, there's a possibility you're on that same list disqualifies you for financial aid. Right, right, right. Um, so, I mean, aside from just financial barriers and citizenship, it's just like, how about just racial demographics on campuses? There's a lot of students right. who run away from their campus because they're still the, the only, you know, black or brown or Latino kid on 
on campus. Right. Like, and they get scared. I mean, shit, people tell me that I was lucky to go to Disney World, but just this weekend I was talking to my cousin. We spoke about how much culture shock we felt just being inside of Disney World. Disney. Like, it was so overwhelming because we had never experienced that many white people at once being happy. <laughs> and then, like, not being able to buy souvenirs because that's not why we went there. We were lucky enough to even have gone, yeah, you know? Like, so, right. so just imagine, like, being on a college campus where all your friends always have money because mom and dad keeps on filling up their account. And Juan, you're shaking your head. Is that, and is that, was that some of your experience? On oh, campus? absolutely. Yeah, I was one of la of two Latino students in my college. <laughs> so, wow. yeah. yeah, and, and that's including grad students. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow. Yeah, wow. and I mean, and I remember one of the episodes you spoke about how you wanted to transfer out mm -hmm. because you were just like, "Fuck that!" You know, I yeah. get the kids mm -hmm. texting me like, "KV, hey, I can't take this anymore," and I'm like, "What do you mean?" They're like, "No, I can't do this shit." Like, you know, like do something. Um, and it's just being prepared. I mean, and it's social emotional shit too. Like, you know, you get comments from your, from your classmates and maybe yeah. not all your classmates and your are professors. Rude. Right. Well, I or had a, a, t a teacher once that offered, what was it offered you help with your English work or something because mm -hmm. he thought you were Mexican or some shit. Wow. Yeah. See? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a damn shame. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, it's shit like that. Like, sometimes people think that it's just the financial part or, or that kids of color are not smart enough. But the problem is that they're really smart but never really been exposed to this environment. And then they have to deal with the environment, be expected yeah, also, to do well yeah. in an environment that doesn't necessarily support their needs. And what I mean by support their needs is that inner city schools aren't being supported, so it starts from right. That's from what I was going to say. I was going to say, in reality, there's a way in which you have to navigate college the way you would navigate having a job. You know, you have to, you have your own schedule. You have to manage your time. You get a syllabus at the beginning of the year. You're not necessarily going to have your hand held. And there's just a level of responsibility that sort of becomes overwhelming. And if I'm a kid who's in college and I'm doing it because, you know. Yes, I want my education, but I, I'm doing it because I so desperately want to get out of the poverty or bad situation that I'm in. And so I understand that if I don't go to college, quote unquote, then it's more impossible for me to get out of the situation. So which they're, is not they're, true. Which is not, no, mm -hmm. well, uh, it's not true, right? Because there's other alternatives that are not just college, but we're taught in schools, like, oh my God, I, I, all, my whole school career, except for LaGuardia. I think LaGuardia was the only place where college conversations weren't being drilled into me because the expectation was that everybody there was, was going, going to college. Yeah. So they didn't need to try to convince the student body about that. But all in middle school, like, yeah, they were sho shoving college access down my throat mm -hmm. in fifth grade. Yeah. You know, where I'm like, right. college? I don't even know, you know, what my favorite color really is. Like, I'm still but discovering I who I am, you know. But because of the high number of students in our community who weren't making it to college shit right. like in the demographic uh where we lived a couple of years ago maybe like two three years ago only 23 percent of adults had graduated high school in right. the community that i grew up in here in the bronx only 23 percent of adults had high school educations mm -hmm. so of course like going to to you know middle school like that they tried early they tried really early to sort of sink your teeth into the idea of college and wanting to get that excitement around it but if i'm a student and i'm on campus you know what i mean and like I have such a hard time even just surviving, let alone going to school. 
you know, the minute that school starts to feel like work or is an unfamiliar structure that I'm not necessarily succeeding right. in and I don't have that, I'm more likely to drop out. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have time for this shit. I'm going to go get a job that's going to make me money right the fuck now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll take this trade class or I'll take this exam to work in this in the city this or become this firefighter or hell. That's why we lose a lot of people, young men to the military too. You know what I right. mean? Like, mm-hmm. so you just give up and there's no real life training on how to handle these environments and it's not just the culture shock it is the literal shock of like having to manage, so manage your own yeah. time and your own workload in a way um yeah that just no, your no, school doesn't right. your school doesn't prepare you for that it doesn't mm-hmm. and and the problem is that when you look at inner city schools compared to a lot of private schools or just you know advanced academic schools like the specialized high school there's more free thought right so they expect you to make decisions if you're in a specialized high school right. which was why LaGuardia never had to convince you about college it's like why the fuck did you apply to LaGuardia High School? You know you want to do great things. Great things happen when you go into higher ed. But like me, I went to Vanda High School. Yes, we had programs that taught us vocational skills, but not every high school had that. So now, like Julissa just mentioned, yeah, you're going to have the moment that you're a senior, you have to make these decisions on your own. And guess what? You spent years having your guidance counselor, your parent, put placing you in the school that they saw fit or the school that was close enough to the right. house so they didn't have to fucking travel all the way down to Manhattan to go get you when your nose was bleeding. Like right. now you're 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 stuck in these different counties and now the school systems have created that system which is a part of the systematic, systematic oppression zoning. that that's, yeah. there's the, the word school. zoning which yeah. didn't exist before were, were in play and now people were already making decisions for kids from inner city high school so right. by the time they become a senior i put an application in front of them they're like what do you want me to do with this and i'm telling them make a decision <laughs> you know yeah. and they're looking at me like no you do it for me yeah. you you do it so yeah. even now, like especially in the Bronx, there's so many schools that are saturated with college mm-hmm. access, CBOs, college access. You know, you see all of these CBI. programs, CBI, you know, great programs. Great. Let me tell you, they have success stories up the wazoo. Like I know people there. They do amazing work. But what I'm saying is that they don't like we are we don't have the time as college access people to then teach them about that undoing of no, it is your decision. This is why I'm working with you so you can make it right yeah. mm. so you get a lot of fear up front because they've never had to literally write their address out you see right. what i'm saying oh god and when you know i know the kids FAFSA application that is the most intimidating shit like Ever. because at that point it's not just you scared anymore people's parents are like oh my god why do they need this information right. what is this or i haven't mm. been tracking this this way and and i would say to the systemic thing that's another sort of roadblock right because you do have families that you know whether you agree with it or not do set themselves up in a situation where they maybe lie a little bit to get certain benefits right. and stuff and it's not a matter of like cheating the system or being lazy it's like i need to survive and so i need to say that I don't live with my husband or I need to say that right. blah 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 or people who are like you are my father's information I don't know my fucking father's name like right. you know what I mean like they're right. so they don't know their real name right. they don't know like, their own address and like, there's so much shit that you have to sort of like confront just to say hey can I have some funding for this education like it is the whole college application process is so overwhelming and like I had when I went to college like I thought I would I didn't apply to any of the like Princeton, Yale's, blah, 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 because in LaGuardia, I let myself slack off. So I went from being like valedictorian in middle school to being like 87 average in, co- in high school, which for, is not necessarily which that LaGuardia bad. LaGuardia is right? not that bad. No, no, no. That's well, like a 90 in a, in a Bronx but, high school, but, like yeah. give or take. But still, like I did that second because I was 
finding myself as an artist, right? So, which, but to, but to have the freedom to do that, what a privilege, because that actually taught me who I was and helped me find my voice, my authentic voice, not the, oh, I'm from the Bronx and I know this is right and this is wrong and I want to be right, so I believe and I do all of these things because if I don't, then I don't succeed in the hood and I'm going to be pregnant, not going to graduate college, da 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 I didn't want to be a stereotype, so I was like doing the song and dance of like everything that was not the hood, but then LaGuardia was the first time that I had a chance to explore that, but like the way here in the hood we have shove it down their throats you have to pass this test you have to pass right like we actually don't leave a lot of room for kids in high schools like i think a lot of my peers who went to high schools that weren't like laguardia and they you know unless they were like you know like I, I don't know lucky enough to really have a moment to reckon with themselves where they didn't fall into that i saw many people get lost in that sort of like oh i have to do this type of thing and so they followed careers and did things that weren't really their passion because they just needed to fucking survive right you know like i don't know um i i think that the whole college access thing though is very important i do wish that laguardia would have made a bigger deal about college right especially for those kids the like few me of color like, yeah. right who had a I, different situation yeah like i didn't know like kids were when when they started talking about college in laguardia all the kids were like yeah i know i want to go to Carly, carnegie mellon and they knew all these things about all these programs and i'm like yo, how do they know all of these mm. fucking schools and what that means? And it's because, like, it's their parents' alma mater or, like, their right. parents work in the industry where people are and, and their parents. So there was this one girl who her dad was the president of John Jay College, who, who was one of my parents, wow. right? Lived right on the dumb, lives right on the Dumbo waterfront. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so think, like, that is the type of people we went to school with compared to me where, like, you know, my father got his college degree, like, finished his bachelor's when I was in high school because he wanted to finish school and then, like, awesome. You know what I mean? Right. And that's the sort of example I had growing up yeah. that made me say, like, yes, I'm absolutely going to college because I want to, not just because I have to, but because, like, it's a thing that we do um, mm. in this family, even if it means you're doing it right. at the age of, I'm not going to reveal my dad's age, but, like, you know, like, mad old. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. Not mad old, you know, aging... Gracefully, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's and it's true. I mean, between 2000 and 2016, according to the National Center for Education Statistics, it shows that African American students, um, the increase of students attending college between six that 16 year period only really went up two percent from 11 percent wow. to 13 percent. There's only 13.7 percent of students between 2000 and 2016 that has gone up. So that demographic wow. has not really shifted. I mean, Hispanic and Latinos as well. We started at a 9.9% in 2000, and we've just moved up an 8 to 9%. We're only at 18.2%. So, wow. you know, it just goes to show there's all these barriers kind of cause this, this needle from shifting very slowly. And, yeah. I mean, I mean, we went... Um, to DC recently and went to the African American Museum. Museum. We learned about Everybody how. Has to go to that shit. Yeah, everyone should definitely go. Um, it was, was amazing. I was walking around crying when I saw Harriet Tubman's like shawl and yeah. the, and the slave house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like, you were done. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. It's it's yeah. a lot to take in, um, but it really reminds you of the importance and that how how fucking amazing kids of color are i think that you know like huang said or even julissa mentioned earlier like kids get bored when you try to force feed them this whole theory about the why politics and you know why we should find education as a privilege 
but it's not so much education. I tell students like knowledge is a yeah, privilege. Knowledge like is power. not knowledge is what we can't take back from you. Once you know something, no one can steal that back from you. They can try to de <coughs> you know, dehumanize fake you, news fake you to you, death. Yeah, they could give you so much bullshit and then but what they can't do is take away the fact that you're a fucking artist or that you're able to create things that kids in your same neighborhood can't. Like when kids are talented, I always try to encourage them to really look at things past their grades because that's the system mm -hmm. you know when you're looking at a region score when you're looking at an SAT score that's the system trying to remind you that your family and your ancestors learned how to read when some of them were either 13 some of them were well onto adults they were slaves whatever the case may be and that our educational timeline is not that old you mm -hmm. know so yeah. you know we're literally playing catch-up so when I see a student who has a talent I'm like be blessed you know like be happy that you have this now let me show you how you can utilize this to do amazing things right. and break your cycle because a lot of it ends up being a, a, a emotional beat up that they right. get from just society making them feel that that they're not shit um yeah so yeah like I this is what I love to do. I'm sorry. That's I feel awesome. like I'm, no, I'm, no, no, I'm, no, no, I'm no, like yeah. getting into. Yeah. What would you say to kids who think college is not for them? Um, usually what I do is close the door and I'll, I tell them my story. The fact that I graduated high school with a 75 average. I, I told them, I don't even remember my SAT score. Like, honestly, I don't. It I wasn't think, memorable. I think the <laughs> only thing I did right was spell my name right. And I always tell them that because I literally didn't study. I didn't know anything. I was horrible at math. And I went to college. And I tell them that. And I'm sitting here, right? And the reason why I tell my story and I'm honest about it, because, again, I'm in an industry where there's a lot of professionals who talk about Dartmouth. And, you know, like I'm meeting professionals that actually were the elite kids of color when they were coming up in high school mm -hmm. and they were Just the honor students mm -hmm. and they went to HBC HBCUs and they did all of the wonderful things and got scholarships. I didn't, I got seek. Right. Okay. Right. Like yeah. I got the yeah. scholarship because of my income. And to me that was a scholarship. And I tell kids who get seek or H E O P or EOP or whatever, mm -hmm. that is a scholarship. Cause that means you may or may not have to pay as much as everybody else. Right. So, you know, like I, I didn't feel special when I went to college, but what I did feel is a sense of control. Um, and what I tell students is like, that's the beauty of college is that you design the next part of you. And as intimidating that sounds, it's the first time that you get to use your basic human instinct to right. do what is your calling versus following whatever mom or dad say. I usually get into a lot of, you know, verbal back and forth with parents who want their kids to study something, but they have like a 60 average in math. Like you want your kid to be a nurse, but they can't even past the math regions like let's be realistic mm -hmm. um so what I try to do is I show them numbers a lot of colleges are right now SAT optional so there's that you know purchase her rate of them the first SUNY to be test optional now yeah um Good. so they are giving kids a chance without really looking at their SAT scores and there are many more I mean 
George Washington University is a test optional school. There are a couple of schools now that are like waiving that right. You I know, wish they were test optional when we were applying and <laughs> shit. Because there were schools that sh- that missed yeah. out on my ass. <laughs> right, exactly. They missed out, yeah. and yeah. you know, it's those discrepancies of the SAT score, the SAT score, and the GPA. And there were kids with high GPAs, and they had like an eight hundred on their SATs. You know, yeah. and there's. You know, all the I could go on like this is really like a two part because <laughs> college is just so much information like the systems that they have in place, like they're paying for these exams to, to kind of intimidate the kids into thinking that if they don't have a, a certain score, that they're, they're not going to weed good people enough. out a certain way. They know right. who has only the strong the survive. Yeah. This is so Darwinism mm. approach to education, which is totally gross and unnecessary. Um, but yeah, college, you know what college and college is for anyone, but if you choose to not go to college, that doesn't make you less of a success story. There's plenty of successful people in the world who didn't go. Um, but I will say that I think that when I had students and I also did some college access stuff, I would always say to them, but there is always value in expanding your network and experiencing new Absolutely. things. So I think that even if it is just for the benefit, even if it's just basic, I tell people, even if it's just associates, even if you just want right. to do two years or maybe just try a semester, you know what I mean? See if you like it or if you don't like it. I think there is value, of course, right. uh, assuming that it's not going to cost them much and you know, maybe you're not going to shoot for NYU and you do do Like, listen, I went to Brooklyn College. Like, you know, get yourself a free semester at Brooklyn College, feel things out. Being on a college campus and all that stuff is a very different experience and I always I wish I wish every kid in the South Bronx could go away for college I wish right. that, that was like a, a promise mm. that we could make to every kid I, make those I promises. didn't I I didn't leave you know what I mean and it sort of worked out for me but then again I was living in a New York City where I had a, already discovered pockets and circles that were outside of my realm so I felt a bit more exposed and I didn't need to go upstate to meet white people and have that culture shock which is a lot of what my friends went through mm-hmm. um, who went away but like I do think there is so such, such, such value in having a semester in college and challenging yourself because even if you figure out this is bullshit and this shit is not for me, the experience that you get from there and the things you learn, like I learned I was black in college. I learned the term Afro-Latino so in, <laughs> in college, you know what I mean? And like, had I not, it probably wouldn't be until like recently when people are starting to talk about it that I would have learned that and I would have had to be probably quote unquote convinced or made a believer of that. And the mm. thought of that blows my mind, especially how prideful I am in, my, in being mm-hmm. black. The idea that I could have easily, if I didn't go to college, miss out on knowing who I was is a very big deal to me. So for those reasons, I always say, hey, like try it and maybe go for a semester and only take classes only for take, shit that you like. Right. Like fuck the, uh, you know, core classes if you can skip them. And if you only want to take a f- advantage of a full semester, and do different certain like you know elections uh, elective classes like do that right but but it's about the knowledge mm -hmm. it's not about getting the degree it's not about the piece of paper at the end it's about the shit that you get while you're on that journey and it doesn't matter i mean once you get a college degree your employer is not going to ask you so what was your average junior year at brooklyn no no one gives a fuck like they just want to make sure that you found yourself basically and that's really what college is about is is a journey for you to find yourself and 
you know, I encourage kids to go away. I also did a CUNY experience, and it's fucking hard. CUNY, mm-hmm. to anybody, shout out to all my CUNY grads There's and people who went to, both, I think. to, yeah. to yeah. CUNY. And not to say that going away is a bad thing, but it, it's a different role, right? Like, I, I used to fucking hate having to go to class, and it was fucking snowing all the fucking mm-hmm. time, or the trains were never on time, or I had to stand the whole way with the guy with the stinky armpit. And, like, Ugh. you know, stuff like that that you don't have to really experience when you're on a campus because you can just wear your pajamas to class Mm -hmm. like i wanted to wear my pajamas to class at some point so you know i try to i try to work with students today and i've gotten let me my my best accomplishments in doing college access and i love all of my students that i've worked with um or that i've just advised for two seconds um the kids who didn't have the high averages those are the kids that i would like put them in schools full ride and then he'd look at me like this was impossible and I told and I look at them all the time and I'm like no I told you you were going to go away for college like I've gotten kids with 75 average not the right SAT scores they're in places like Oswego full ride um, Plattsburgh full ride and I'm naming the schools because people need to know that there are these schools out there that are looking for kids who are right. not the smartest kids like or you or know or good on paper. not on what I meant to yeah. say not the smartest on paper yeah. like like you don't have to have the 80 average you do not have to have an 80 average to go to college yeah and I'm saying it because people need to hear it you yeah. can have a 70 a school will take you. You will go to college even with a 70 average and not a high SAT score. You can go to college. So, you know, those are the things that, you know, students need to hear and they don't think about it until, like you said, until that senior year when they're like, oh, shit, you know, I I heard I had to do this college application. Now what? I can't go with my friend who did study, although I thought he was just playing Madden with me all day Mm -hmm. online. And now he's the one with the 95 average and he actually got over uh, 1,200 on his SAT score. So now I can't go with my best friend off to Syracuse. Like, it's like, no, but you can still go to college. (laughs) Like, let's talk about that, you know? Guys, stay in school. (laughs) Stay in school. Welcome to the new school year. Yes. Um, Skittles students, be kind to Skittles. (laughs) Be kind to Skittles this year. Um, all right, Venecia, we're going to go into our Dame Luz section where you give me and Skittles insight on something. Skittles, what is V going to give us loose on this week? Tell us what it's like to be married. <laughs> me and Skittles have been to a couple weddings this year. And, <laughs> and we are kind of like, getting married at are we age. behind? Is it okay that we're not married when we have our wedding? Are we going to do a cake? Or are we going to do cupcakes? Are we going to do open bar or not? Like, you know what Ooh. I mean? Like, we're stuck in these limbos. Um, but really, what is marriage? Because obviously, we grew up with our parents that had, you know, a very different view of marriage and um just a different generation, but like as someone who is closer to our age and it has been married for quite some time um, and isn't one of our freshly married friends, what is what is marriage really like, especially in this day and age? All right. So I've I mean, I've been married. I'm going to be married eight years, October 1st. So shout out to my husband, Chad. Chad. Um, we met in college. I feel like at this point, marriage is like puberty. Say more on that. What do you mean? So 
Like, <laughs> I don't know if I want to get married if it's like puberty. I don't and know. And I'm talking time. about like, <laughs> there you go, right? Marriage, see, the relationship is the cute shit, right? You, you keep your shit waxed and you make sure your hair's done <laughs> and you make sure that you're saying all the nice things. You're not crossing boundaries. Cause even though you've been together for a very long time, there's still certain boundaries you don't want to cross. I guess that's why I'm not. And then <laughs> you, you know, when you get the ring and he, he, she, or, you know, whatever your preferred gender is gets down on one knee and say, Hey, let's get married. You, that's what the jitters come from. It's like, oh shit, I'm about to go through puberty again, aren't I? Hmm. And then it's like, no, it's going to be okay. And you go in very excited. And then all of a sudden you wake up every morning, you start noticing shit that didn't bother you before that all of a sudden start bothering you. And you're like, shit. Like, why does he keep on doing that? What is this hair in this exactly. place? Exactly. And, and that's why, like, and, I, and, and I've had this conversation with Chad, so I'm not speaking, like, and he doesn't know that right. I'm we saying it. It's all right. We get a full disclosure. She loves her husband, whatever, um, whatever. But, you know, we talk about this shit because we're like, do you remember when we were dating? Shit was great. Like, what the fuck happened? And it's usually because it's like puberty. It's like, you know, you have to go through it because you're growing in a different stage with that person now. So, like, if you get married in your 20s, mid-20s or even late 20s, you're about to enter your 30s. So now already your body is already changing. I mean, I'm talking from a woman's aspect, like your body is already changing. That bitch is ready to just be whatever it wants to be. And sometimes the man is like, what the fuck is happening? This feels like puberty. Why is she no (laughs) longer? Exactly. Why is she not waxing anymore? (laughs) Like I thought this was going to keep on going. And, and it's like little shit like that. So for me, marriage is like puberty is not a bad thing, but it takes getting used to after you pass that little, you know, honeymoon phase. Right. So what, now they're like, you know, relationship dynamics, like being in a poly relationship, open relationships, things like that. Um, do you think that people can have successful marriages and still have open like sex lines outside of the marriage? Well, <laughs> well, I've I do a lot of reading and, you know, again, as I uh, <laughs> am preparing to hear a no here. <laughs> Yeah, I, me as too, I me age, too, me too. it is a no, like For in my you. current situation. But what I'm saying is, like, I've read books. Like I said, you're going through changes. So as I've read on, I mean, more, I feel like this generation is going to be that fluid generation. Like, hey, chill out. It was one time. And then the, okay. Let me tell you something. What you, know, you trying to say about I, us? No, no, no. Why I'm not saying your like, generation. I'm just saying the more current generation. I have friends that are in poly relationships. Right. Like, that. like, I get Cause, it. Because, you know, the whole DM situation. Like, come on. If you're going to hit up in the DMs, like, that didn't exist when I was dating. Listen, like, you, there was no DM. It was like you either got caught in the street. Or your friend Felicia called you like, bitch, I see your man on the street. Like, you know, like there was no DM. There was no bitch on the side sliding into the DM saying, hey, boo, what's up? When we going to get this on? So it's difficult. Our niggas was better protected. Now we out here got bitches coming from mad directions. Not, you know, like, no. Now that friend who would have called you is the one DMing him. And that's the issue Mm -hmm. with the the DM. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because it be... (laughs) Yeah, it's true. No, it is true. So it is. 
It's so, very you know, true. like, I just feel... I, <laughs> Skittles is having a blast right now. But, yeah, no, it's true. No, though, that's actually absolutely true. Um, I, there there are a lot more challenges in a marriage. And social media... So, actually, that's a great question. What? How does social media play a role in marriages? Not necessarily yours personally, but, like, I know you have married friends, too, right? Right. So, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it's about building boundaries, too. Like, you know, shit is always going to happen shit is going to happen. I'm not, you know, and I'm not speaking from personal experience. It's just more so like you need to build boundaries. I tell females especially because I'm going through certain changes myself as a woman every time. You got to know yourself because even marriage is really the process of you getting to know you on that level, right? right? You're getting to know the married version of yourself. Mm -hmm. And whoever that is, whether it's the person who can't stay out of the DMs because it just just so happens to be so hooked on it that you rather hide it from your significant other, build boundaries. You know, be if you can be transparent, be transparent. There's some motherfuckers who just not transparent. They rather right. keep it a secret because they feel like they they live off of the theory what don't what you don't know no, won't hurt, hurt you. Because mm-hmm. they you know, and then mm-hmm. there's some people who are more traditional. They don't want to see their man having no female friends. They don't want to see their man's going to the strip club. They don't want to see them doing anything. Yeah. And there's others who just don't give a fuck because they're probably doing the same shit he's doing anyway. Yeah. So you know, it, it it's very hard to tell. And I say if you build the boundary then you're letting that person know up front like yo listen i know i know this dude or this girl's hitting you up um i see what's happening i'm not stupid i got my own followers as well just be careful and if you're doing something then this is my deal breaker or if it's not your deal breaker you should be more like well tell me when you fuck that bitch yeah so I can know not to, you know what I'm saying? And there's mm-hmm. some people who have it that fluid where it's like. Some people like to spice things up. Some people like to include some, a third or fourth. Exactly. Some people be in NYCHA in the back with the In the supers. back. <laughs> exactly. So I mean, it, it, I think it's up to the person, up to the two. Staying, communication is key. Everyone says it like a broken record. In marriage, communication. But it, it really is because. In any relationship, in, really. In right? any relationship. But just marriage specifically because usually when people are getting married they're not only investing emotionally they're investing monetarily right and sometimes that becomes a sticky situation because as much as we act that it's all about the love when a divorce comes along a lot of people start counting their coins and start saying well this nigga ain't gonna get the rights to my my podcast because i built that shit on myself better be ready you know so you know the whole prenup agreement and all of that came from that like you know also women feeling like nigga i built this shit so you ain't getting it. You ain't getting it, you know, and vice versa for men. Like, you know, you didn't give me three kids, so I'm not going to give you the whole alimony. How about that? Mm. So, you know, there's petty. all these different. Petty. <laughs> petty. All petty. Is petty. Just petty shit. It's, it is petty. But, you know, we as humans, we protect ourselves, right? So this is why I said it. Marriage is like puberty. Relationships is like, is your journey of really you. You're treating yourself. If you're treating yourself how you want to be treated, even if your partner may do it, I'm not going to sit there and be like, oh, every relationship. isn't your fault. Exactly. No matter how much people so try to So if you're treating yourself the way you want to be treated, one, it makes it easier for you to remove yourself from situations that you feel no longer serve you because that does happen. Right. You know, and then two, it also keeps you clear in the situation. Being unclear is the scary part. And every female at times and I'm speaking with from females perspective because I'm in that type of relationship mm-hmm. that sometimes we get lost in the whole concept of what society 
um, identifies a good wife to be. Mm. You came home from work, but did you cook? You came home from work, but did you cook, clean the kids, uh, sweep up and keep the house all tidied up? Right. You came home, but did you get your degree and do you make as much as, you know, so it's, it's yeah. the added pressures of what society expects. The, the gender norms that kind of fucks certain shit up when you see some women now. And I, at times, try to shy an eye away when I see like these videos on Instagram of the of the wives like acting that what they want to portray them as crazy mm. because they're they're probably in their head they're like I'm doing all this shit and this motherfucker is sitting over here um talking about he's gonna go see he has multiple females all around him and I'm at work from nine to five thinking he's doing what he's supposed to do or taking care of what he's, he's supposed he's to take supposed care of. He's in the back of the projects with the nitrous. With supers. the nitrous. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, you know, it's shit like that, that that turns women, certain women into like what you see on Instagram. They look crazy. They look wild. And that's why, you know, we need to do better. Like if the future is female, us females need to start really be being real with each other. Like, yo, you shouldn't be in that situation, sis. Do yeah, better. <laughs> you know, let that dude yeah, go. Let have, me help you. We do, like, and this is, like, we can go down this rabbit hole, but we of won't. Of course. But, like, yeah, culturally, especially, like, be, growing up in the Latin culture, like, you see a lot of, like, women taking a lot of beatings for their men or from their men, literally and both metaphorically. Like, there's just a way in which we're taught to take it. For, with anything, whatever the situation is, and that if we can't stand by our man, like then, right, we then ain't we're nobody. not good. Yeah, then, then we're, we're not, not good nobody. And, and that's, that's why that's why you gotta. There was a quick meme that I sent out to a couple of people. Like, don't fight over your man. Drop him and just buy yourself a cheesecake. That's worth fighting for. Okay. <laughs> a good piece of cheesecake, man. I will fight a bitch for cheesecake. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Venezia, for being on this episode with us. Um, it was a pleasure. Where can we find you? Well, you can hit me up in my Instagram. It's Venezia, V-E-N-E-S-I-A-C-H. Um, and that is my Instagram. You can hit me up. Don't DM me, please. Uh, She's married. And not because I'm married, to come but for you. Um, <laughs> don't DM me. Just hit me up and I'll connect with you. If you know anyone, I real quick, shameless plug. I work for a uh, um, uh, adult learning center um, where if you know anyone who needs their GD, who need who wants to get Microsoft certification, we do do it by income eligibility. Um, and you, you can have them hit me up. I work at the SUNY North Bronx Center right off of White Plains Road between Allerton and Burke. Mm. And I'll be there. And if you need some college access help, whether you're going for your master's, PhD, whatever, I can do it. Come on. There you Come go. see me. There you Come go. see me. And you can find us, uh, me at Julissa and Skittles at the real skittles with a z Z. and both of us at ladies who bronche on instagram facebook at ladies bronche on twitter um we're on apple itunes we are on google play we are on soundcloud and we're working on that spotify spot right now to follow us uh have a great week and until next time bronche